From the studios of Books in Motion, this is Jerry Shario reading Fleet of the Damned, Book 4 in the Sten Adventures by Alan Cole and Chris Bunch. Now, let's begin with a note from the authors. The titles of Books 1 through 4 are derived from 17th century A.D. Earth and were a series of commands used to bring oceanic warships of the British Navy into battle. Book 1. Line of Battle. Chapter 1. The Tan battlecruiser arced past the dying sun. The final course was set, and in a few hours, the ship would settle on the gray-white surface of Fundy, the major planetary body in the Erebus system. Erebus would seem to be the last place that any being would want to go. Its sun was so near extinction that it cast only a feeble, pale yellow light to its few heavily cratered satellites. The minerals left on those barren bodies would barely have supported a single miner. Erebus was a place to give one dreams of death. Lady Atago listened impatiently to the radio chatter between her crew and the main port comm center on Fundy. The voices on the other end seemed lazy, uncaring, without discipline. A marked contrast to the crisp string of words coming from her own crew. It grated her tan sensibilities. The situation on Fundy had been neglected too long. Lady Otago was a tall woman, towering over many of her officers. At casual glance, some might think that she was exotically beautiful. Long, flowing dark hair, wide black eyes, and sensuous lips. Her body was slender, but there was a hint of lushness to it. At the moment, it was particularly well set off in her dress uniform. A dark green cloak, red tunic, and green form-fitting trousers. At second glance, all thoughts of beauty would vanish as a chill crept up the spine. This was Tan royalty. A nod of her head could determine any one of many fates, all of them unpleasant. As her ship punched into landing orbit, she glanced over at her captain, who was monitoring the actions of the crew. Soon, my lady. I'll require one squad, she said. Her head turned away, dismissing the captain. Lady Otago was thinking of those undisciplined fools awaiting her on Fundy. The big ship settled to the ice about half a kilometer from the port center. The engines cut off, and the ship was instantly enveloped in gray as sleet slanted in from a stiff wind. Most of the surface of Fundy was ice and black rock. It was an unlikely place for any enterprise, much less the purpose it was being put to by its present occupants. The Tan were preparing for war against the Emperor, and the Erebus system was the cornerstone of their plan. In great secrecy, Erebus had been converted to a system-wide warship factory. So distant and so undesirable was Erebus that there was little likelihood that the Eternal Emperor would discover their full-out effort to arm themselves until it was too late. Thousands of ships were being built, or converted, or refitted. When Lady Otago's battlecruiser entered the system, she could partially see those efforts. Small, powerful tugs were towing hundreds of kilometer-long strings of the shells that would be turned into fighting ships, and then transported to ground for final refitting. Huge factories had been hastily constructed on each of the planets, and the night skies had an eerie glow from the furnaces. The Tan had drafted every available laborer down to the barely skilled. The poor quality of their workforce was one of the several reasons the Tan had chosen to concentrate so much of their manufacturing on planets rather than in space.
Deep space required highly trained workers, and that was something that the massive arming had stretched to the near impossible. Also, deep space factories required an enormous investment, and the Tan could already hear the coins clicking out of their treasury vaults. They wanted as many ships as possible, as cheaply as possible. Any malfunctions, no matter how life-threatening, would be the problem of the individual crews. The Tan were a warrior race with stamped steel spears. Lady Otago paused at the foot of the ramp, surrounded by a heavily armed squad of her best troops. This was her personal bodyguard, chosen not only for military skills and absolute loyalty, but for size as well. Each member of the squad dwarfed even Lady Otago. The troops shuffled in the sudden, intense cold, but Otago just stood there, not even bothering to pull her thermocloak about.